0: have a good podcast thanks you too okay all right welcome to the misfit stars podcast i'm shannon curtis
1: and i'm jamie hill hi listeners shannon and i are a married pair of working artists and this podcast is our weekly date for getting on microphones and talking with one another and with you about stuff that matters to us we are so glad you're here and hi, sweetheart. Hello. Hi, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. Yeah, looking forward to it. same. Good times. No announcements. How we feeling?
0: Mm, no announcements. How am I feeling? I'm feeling right now even keeled.
1: Hey, that's great. which is good. Mm-hmm.
0: It's an improvement from the last couple of days. I've just been kind of a little irritable. Mm-hmm. And withdrawn. and there's not any particular reason I can point to like I've, I have had I've been dealing with some like weird back pain. That's possible that it's contributing to that, but I don't mm-hmm. know that that's solely it. Mm. Is it menopause? Is mm. it I'm like, I, seriously, it's one of those things that's just like, I don't know. i'm forty seven. Things are going sideways. <laughs> 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 so I, I I will take the even keeled feeling today because it's a big improvement over the mood I have been in, the feelings I've been experiencing for the last couple of days.
1: Sure, yeah. So, how about you? Well, you know, first, as far as you go, you know, it's funny, like, aging is a privilege, and we say that to one another. Yeah. But, you know, that said, it's great when you don't have to feel like crap and be like, aging's a privilege. (laughs) I know, yeah, totally. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I am feeling ambiently trepidatious. Okay. Uh, It's a... Very specific feeling, yeah. not even on the feelings list. No, no.
0: It's okay. um,
1: you know, I feel, I'm just feeling trepidatious about stuff, but like the stuff, if I reach for it, is not there. Yeah. There's nothing wrong. Mm. No particular specific problems in my life that weren't here yesterday. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything's the same, but I feel differently. I get it. Uh, sort of like you. Yeah. Yeah. Just yeah. unexplained, weird, not negative feelings exactly, but certainly not positive. But mm-hmm. I just feel a little anxious, a little mm-hmm. bit like, I'd like, I'm just waiting for something to happen that's gonna mm, be bad, mm, and I don't know what it is. Mm. And surely it's nothing, and I'm wrong, right?
0: I mean, sure. The, I mean, the, the world is full of surprises. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Woo! Yeah. yeah. But you know, I don't need to borrow trouble from no. an unknowable future. True. True. I don't. Yeah. Yet I am. Right. So there's that. Uh, but you know, what do you do about um, it? What do I do about it? Yeah. Well, you know, it's just good to take an inventory of all the positive things in my life. Mm. A little gratitude practice, you know? Mm -hmm, Not mm -hmm. even necessarily the formal written one, but just, you know, what are five things, that whole five things What are are five things I can feel grateful for or happy about in my life? And Mm -hmm. I've just been doing a little bit of those today, you know? They're easy to find, too. Oh, yeah. And so I don't feel like super bad. That's the other thing. Like on a scale of how bad this could be, like zero to 100, I'm at like, Thirty-five. You know what I mean. Yeah. I'm like a third of the way there. I feel it, but it's not bad. Yeah. So
0: you know. Yeah, the gratitude practice is a go-to for me. Like last night, I, I you know, did my nightly gratitude practice within our. I do it within our Misfit Star social network every day. Yeah. Most days, I, I try to. I try to make it a daily thing, um, and I, I do show up most days there to do it. And you know, I go there on, on the, at the at the end of a day when I've been feeling just kind of like. <clears throat> Like I know that that's exactly the time I need to be doing it. Yeah, you know, it's maybe sometimes a little harder to get up for it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I know that that's exactly when I need it the most. and um, and I'm glad that 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 practice is part of my life because if I if I didn't if I didn't have that commitment to myself to do that daily, mm-hmm. I don't know how good I would be about showing up for that practice on days when I'm feeling ill. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like do. because it's there, because I've said, okay, I'm gonna do this daily, then it's something that I that I have made a, an obligation for myself to do. And I, I'm not no I I don't know how good I would be about reaching for that as a tool mm-hmm. if I didn't have it on my daily schedule to right. do. You know?
1: Yeah. I have a reminder that goes off every single hour on my phone, just reminding me to drink a glass of water. Yeah. Do I do it every time? No. Do I drink a lot more water every day <laughs> than I used to before I set that up? Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You that's know. like my, di- my nightly do your gratitude. Progress, yeah. not perfection. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So uh, I've got a good news machine item.
0: <gasps> Let's fire up the good news machine.
1: <laughs> and it is that we, after a small delay installed our pride flag.
0: Oh, that's right. And no, it's good news. very
1: big and it's very gay and it looks wonderful flying in front of our house.
0: I bought it last year mm-hmm. online from a, a source that actually has funds that go to that's right. equality. Yep. Like, I don't remember exactly who I bought it from, but it was, I researched because I wasn't going to buy just some knockoff mm-hmm. and give money to a, Corporation that doesn't do anything right. with it. So I actually purchased it directly from an organization that works in equality mm-hmm. um, for LGBTQ people, and uh, and I paid a little bit more for it because yeah. of that. But it's worth it. Yes, it know is. That that's my, my dollars are going for that. And we didn't have a we didn't have a way to put it up last year. Like we didn't have
1: we didn't have a good mounting system. And that
0: was so it was kind of a disappointing thing. This year, though,
1: mm-hmm. we are
0: pr- we we've got a little bracket that we attached to our railing and it is flying pr- proud outside our front door. It's, it's like wonderful. a six
1: foot tall flagpole. Just a little Amazon kind of deal, but really well made. Like it, I'm always surprised when I order a random thing off Amazon and then it's actually well made. It's great. <laughs> uh, it's, joyous. it's huge. It's three by five. It's a it's an inclusion flag. Uh-huh. That's the one that has like the trans and other stuff baked in there. Also, it's, mm-hmm. it's everything. It's is it the most inclusive flag in 2022? It might be. I'm sure. Future generations there will invent even more parts, but great. it's pretty good for now. It's wonderful. Yeah. It
0: is good news. Thank you for sharing that. Mm-hmm. It makes me joy. It makes me feel joy when I look out the window and see it there too.
1: Yeah, and you know it just flutters in front of our window a lot, uh-huh. and it's just a little bit of gay, just in my vision, then gone. <laughs> it's great.
0: Very into it. It's very cool. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, I think that given that good news, uh, we can use that good energy to launch us directly into Let's Get Less dumb.
1: Class, anyone? Anyone? You and I have a bunch of stuff for this today. You've got two, oh. I've got one. We've got three okay. entire parts to this segment. Amazing. It's going to be most of the podcast It's going to be most of it. We're going to be so smart, you guys, when we're done with this. (laughs) This is going to be great. Uh. You're going to be like, wow, I'm way smarter (laughs) than when I put on the Misfit Stars podcast. Thanks, Shannon and Jamie. And we'll be like, sure. Yeah. That's no what problem. For.
0: Well, my first item is not like a fun item, but I did feel less dumb when I read this mm-hmm. earlier this week. And so I thought I would share it on the podcast. Great. So we've been talking a lot recently um, about the rise of fascism in the <laughs> United States, right? We have. Um, we don't want to be. No, but, but it, it's happening. And and I, I've, I'm, I'm constantly evaluating what language I'm using around this kind of stuff and trying to... Use accurate language, and I think fascism really is sort of like the the catch-all, like and and also the most accurate for like all the folks who were involved in wanting to establish minority rule. Yeah, <laughs> you know, author- authoritarian minority rule here. Mm-hmm. Um, but this article, authoritarian
1: theocratic minority rule well role. and
0: this goes to but but not everybody not every, see here's the thing not everybody who's into fascism is into the, theotic, the theocratic part of it true but that's a faction within this larger group right, right. okay but i am going to hone in a little bit on that theocratic part of it mm. today be, based on this article that i read uh, Where'd this you week read it? i read it in the new york mag uh, new york magazine online the intelligencer yeah. i guess mm-hmm. this is what it's called
1: it's like a part of it yeah okay
0: so um it's a it's a an article uh, by Philip S Gorski and Samuel Perry. Actually, it wasn't an article. It was an interview with these two guys uh. who recently published a book uh, about white Christian nationalism. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the book is is funda- white Christian nationalism is a fundamental threat to democracy. Is the name of the um, of the 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 article the interview that they had here. Anyway. Mm-hmm. It was very interesting. They they did a big study on like, what is white Christian nationalism? Because that's one of the phrases that we hear. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the things that I think that some people in this fascist movement in our country are all, they're very willing to embrace because yeah. the word Christian sounds nice. Yeah, sure. It sounds like it should be a good thing. Sure. And like bake nat- sales and stuff. Right. And nationalism sounds... USA, kind of, kind of patriotic, like an eagle, right? Yeah, so it an, an eagle is a nationalist bird. It, <laughs> <laughs> so it kind of sounds like like go team, right? Mm-hmm. Like for those people who identify in that way, and that and that is true. And they've really been like embracing this this name for themselves, but the implications of Christian nationalism are horrific. They're I bad. mean, it's it's a, It's. It's not just about identifying as these as a patriotic Christian. That's not it no, at all. No. 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 Christian nationalism is very specifically the the theocracy arm of what you were talking about yeah. a moment ago in in the fascist movement. The arm that
1: says that everyone has to be like this. Right. As with so many things on the right wing, it's not that we should be allowed to do whatever, including not have abortions or you know be Christian, whatever. It's everyone else needs to do it our way.
0: Right. Yeah. And and it's and it's about power, yes. right? It's not even really about morality no. or even anybody's sense of morality. It's no. about power and it's about exercising power. And I so I'm like I said, I'm constantly trying to like understand these terms better, understand the 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 populations of people that latch on to fascistic ideas in this mm-hmm. time. Um and so you know, this article is really interesting. We'll link the article in the show notes. Yep. Um, but there was this one part of it that was particularly informative for me Mm -hmm. that really helped for me to really grab a hold of an understanding of what white Christian nationalism is. And let's be clear, like there are Christians who are not white, obviously, right? But this particular...
1: And there are white Christians who are not nationalists.
0: (laughs) Yes, that's true too. Um, Yes. This article though is specifically talking about white Christian nationalism so because because race is really wrapped up yeah. in this ideology yeah. which is it's really pervasive also like it's it's rooted the part of part of what it of what um, a a white christian nationalist believes mm-hmm. and they believe this because their leaders and their chosen media outlets for decades have been feeding them lies right. about how the how about how the united states is uh, was a country given to white Christians by God. By God. That, and that, that it was founded as a Christian nation. Well, that's total bunk. True. I remember having a conversation with somebody close to us years ago, like mm-hmm. year, like 10 years ago, mm-hmm. in which it was like, I don't even know how we got on the topic. This was pre-way before Trump, way before we were really having these kinds of conversations like political conversations like with, with close people yeah. yeah and i remember hearing this person say uh, well the well the nation was founded as a christian nation and i'm like and we both of us were like no it wasn't yeah. no no actually it's it's the opposite of that it was founded with the freedom of religion like that's basic tenet of yeah. of freedom in this country was that that it's not defined what religion you have to follow yeah. like it,
1: and to be clear the people the fir- the pilgrims the, you know the first people who came over to like se- settle the first wave of white people taking the land that was he- here from the native americans right. they were w- wingnut religious they were sure. they were religious extremists but they wanted to be free of the church of england who was telling right. them they couldn't practice their wingnut religion right. which is why they came here to do it and granted i mean it's not like they were just like atheists or agnostics no. or something. They were crazy religious, like literally crazy with right. it. But they wanted that freedom, so they baked it into the founding of the country. Right, right. And it's easy to conflate those things, right? It's easy to conflate right. the fact that they were super religious extremists mm. with the idea that they also didn't want anyone to be able to tell anyone else what you could do in terms of religion. Or, or what a national religion would be. Yeah. Right,
0: yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that clarification. But yeah, like so this is this is a concept that has been in my consciousness for quite some time. Like I remember during that conversation years and years ago, hearing that person say with utter confidence that well the the America was founded as a Christian nation. Like, like of course. And I'm yeah. like, no, 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 actually. Like, how did you get this in your brain? And I realize now that it's because there's been this decades-long effort. I mean, probably longer than that, right? But like to in, to indoctrinate folks who go to church. Also, what regular, kind of God- regular folks who go to church with this idea that their religion is the religion of this country that it was founded to be that for them. It's, also- it, it's it's a message that they that they've been getting over and over and over and over again for a very long time and have clearly completely absorbed as being the truth.
1: And also, what kind of God? takes land from the people who have been living there for like thousands of years and gives it to other people. Have you read the Bible? No. But like, <laughs> really?
0: I mean, there's constantly conquering of other like you read the Old Testament, it's like wars and it's just history. It's 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 it's, it's a it's a, a form of of written history but you know, like I understand it's, that it's, it
1: happened, but the idea that a guy in the sky made it happen and thinks it's good. Oh
0: my god! though, Like what the fuck? The crusades. I mean, like what war? It hasn't been like justified by like oh god, all of them. Have. God told me to do this. All of them I mean, have. Yeah.
1: All of them have. But that's not my point. My point is, if there is a god that does that, why would you follow him? Because that's messed up.
0: Because if you're if that god is on your side then that's why that's ex- and this this thank you for this point because it segues right into this part of this interview that was really helpful for me to understand mm-hmm. the mind of a white christian nationalist which and- i clearly
1: don't understand <laughs> i'm like wait this is this is morally bad
0: <laughs> it is morally bad but it doesn't it's not about morals it's about power right. it's about power of course. always right. so this part um and and when i say white christian nationalist i'm not talking about like skinhead scary KKK people right no. like like we're not we're talking about regular folks
1: just suburban families
0: regular people who go to regular evangelical churches yeah. in your neighborhood yep believe this shit okay but this is this is really helpful so they they're talking in here um that you know that, that because they have this foundational belief that America was given to Christians by God that they are that they are the Christian white Christians are at the center of sort of the history of America, mm-hmm. right? Like it's, they're at the center of everything, <laughs> um, and so it, it they're saying here it, really, it doesn't really make sense if you just look at it from a perspective of Christian ethics, but it does make sense if you think about it in terms of this underlying narrative or story about white Christian nationalism. And in particular, I think here it's important to understand this thing that we call the Holy Trinity of white Christian nationalism in the book. So and have, you're quoting
1: here from the article. I am, mm-hmm. yes. Yep. So this,
0: this they said they, they refer to this holy trinity of white Christian nationalism. Sounds bad, what are they? Right, so the, the holy trinity is this, freedom, mm-hmm. order, and violence. Yeah. Which, and I'm still quoting here, which means a kind of libertarian freedom for people like us, mm-hmm. us being above all straight, white, native-born Christian men.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that's the freedom part. Order for everybody else, which means racial and gender order above mm-hmm. all else and a like kind like know
1: of, your place in the hierarchy ex- and don't step out of line
0: exactly and to that point a a kind of righteous violence directed at against anybody who violates that order mm. so it's just a really helpful shorthand to un, like to understand this i this the 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 tenets of someone who believes in this white Christian nationalism, they believe that the country is theirs Mm -hmm. and that it is primarily for people like them, white, Christian, straight, Mm native-born, order for everybody else. And that means keep your place in the hierarchy regarding your gender, your race, and then if you step out of line, it's violence for you. And that's those are the three things. It really I don't know why that it was it was helpful to me just to to have that sort of like those three words, power, order, violence, mm-hmm. uh, free, excuse me freedom, order, violence, violence are the three things um that that around which the thinking is organized among white Christian nationalists. it, yeah. it was it was really clarifying for me. And I know that when you have language for something, it helps you understand it and interact with it in a more productive way. And yeah. so that's why I wanted to share it because it was really enlightening for me.
1: Freedom, order, and violence.
0: Right. I mean, it's not good, but like it's good to get your head around. You know, I think it's good. It was good for me to get my head around what these folks are after. Yeah. And they're a very important faction in this overall umbrella of fascism that's that's moving to instill itself or entrench itself in power in the United States.
1: And the way they get at them, I'm convinced, is through law and order appeals, right? That's how you get like just random suburban families to be like, yeah, we definitely need to to have more laws and have more order for other people, obviously, you know. Uh, And if the police feel like there is a movement against them, they stop doing their job or deliberately cause crimes on their own or instigate crimes Mm -hmm. to make it be a more crime-ridden neighborhood, you know, which then makes people be like, yeah, well, we need more law and order and then we give the police more money and then there's more power and more violence and more order and and more freedom, I guess.
0: Yeah, well, freedom for those, the freedom for us and people who look like us. Yeah, that's and, and I mean, we see it, we're seeing it again this week. Like, so the 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 January sixth commission, the congressional in, uh, investigation into the insurrection. Mm-hmm. They're going to start holding their televised hearings this Thursday.
1: So uh, trepidatious about Maybe, that too. Yeah, right.
0: <laughs> but because they're they're holding a few of the or at least a couple of those hearings. Uh, are going to be—they're all going to be live on television, but a couple of them are going to be in prime time. Right, like thir- the one on Thursday night is going to be the first one is going to be a prime time TV event, and most stations are going to be covering this. Yeah. Fox, of course, is not, <laughs> um, and all of all of the right wing media have already decided on their counter programming. And guess what it is? What's that? They're, to counter program and like draw people's attention away from the January six insurrection hearings. There's a new. Mo- the largest ever Immigrant caravan coming from Mexico. And that's what they have decided on as their like counter programming. They're going to stir all this fear up about immigrants coming from the South on our, to our southern border. But this, it's some of the, it's part of the same playbook, right? Of like it's, it's, it's an- just like the, the, the anti immigrant thing. oldest,
1: tiredest. It's like they never come up with anything new. It's always the same shit. You know what I mean? Cause it works. Cause it works amazing.
0: But it works because of this, what I'm saying here, like yeah. this, this whole freedom, order, violence thing. It's the same law and order stuff you were talking about, right? Right? Like you can get all, you can get this population all whipped up in fear and anger over immigrants coming to the border. Oh no, dun dun dun! Because if, if you fit that into this equation, that like we, the we, the white Christians deserve freedom. And it's being, th- and the order of the hierarchy that works for us is being threatened by those brown people coming up from the southern border. And therefore, we need to rally our, you know, whatever, border patrol agents to crack down and get violent. And, and
1: ICE and the cops. There's yeah. no shortage of violent police types.
0: Right, exactly. So, I mean, it, it's it's the same playbook, but it's really, it's helpful to understand where it's coming from and why those kinds of propaganda tactics work.
1: The reason they work is because we're surrounded by horrible people.
0: The reason they work is because people have bought into this idea that freedom is for them, we the people, right? We only means people like them, mm-hmm. right? That's why you see you see these like "we the people" things, and you're and you're, and you're like, wait, I don't know that you actually think that we means everybody, mm-hmm. you know? Like it doesn't, you know? It works because this is the this is the stuff that they've been spoon fed forever and ever, and and it and it's it's is it I- effective? It's an effective uh, propaganda.
1: I actually uh, screenshotted a little something from an op-ed in the Washington Post today that really ties in with this. Oh. Uh, this this op-ed was uh, by, if memory serves, Greg Sargent. Uh, oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's an opinion writer for the Post. Uh, and he's talking about the, you know, right-wingers. He's talking about uh, it apropos of the Proud Boys just getting charged in federal court, Those you know? Those
0: leaders of the Proud Boys got charged with uh, seditious conspiracy, which is the most serious federal crime, charge of a federal crime besides treason.
1: It's a second most serious federal crime Mm -hmm. that you can be charged with. Mm -hmm. Again, losers can't even get the best one. Had to do (laughs) second place. (laughs) Silver medal for treason. Great going, losers. (laughs) But, you know, apropos of that, you know, he's talking about how, like, there's so many people in the chat rooms leading up to January 6th. We're talking about 1776. Uh, You know, all this, like, ultra macho, like, we're taking our country back kind of language, you know. And his point here. He says, uh, groups such as these generally are driven by a dangerous vision of popular sovereignty. It essentially holds that the will of the truly authentic quote-unquote people, a flexible category that they get to define, right. is being suppressed, Yep, requiring periodic resets of the system, including via violent extralegal means. Mm-hmm. It dovetails exactly with what exactly. you're talking about. Exactly. Yep, Exactly.
0: So while it's not great news and I'm and it's it's terrifying that we live among these people and that they are uh currently doing a uh making great strides in entrenching their minority rule uh over the rest of us. Um it's it's not fun and it's not pretty and it's not good, but it is and it's it, it is what is and uh it's good to at least have a some kind of a deeper understanding, which I feel like I gained this week and that's why I shared it.
1: Here. Less dumb, but in a bad way. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> do you
0: have a, a, an item for us to get less dumb?
1: I do. Okay. Uh, mine is not exactly on a cheerful topic, but it's oh. positive. It's a positive side of it. So it's oh. like. It's 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 better than yours. Okay, great, yours great, great,
0: great, great. Mine did suck. <laughs> yeah. I have a good one coming up though. Okay, good, okay, good, good. Yeah, okay,
1: so yeah. we're improving as we go. We are. Go. We are. I'm into that. All right. So mine uh, comes courtesy of Caitlin Jettalina, uh, your local epidemiologist.
0: She's so great. She's the best. Tell people who she is and why we know her. Sh- she, who she is,
1: is a. Uh, she's an epidemiologist. She is a master's in public health and a Ph.D. Mm-hmm. So she's smart as shit. She is an epidemiologist, biostatistician, uh, bio. Biostat- Biostatistician. There's an extra (laughs) to sound there. Biostatistician. She's a wife and she's a mom of two little girls. Uh, During the day, she works at a nonpartisan health policy think tank and at night, she writes this newsletter called Wiley, your local epidemiologist. She has been holding our hands through the pandemic in such a helpful way because she can take all this, she takes on board all this super wonky scientific data-driven information. And all the most current information. And she parses it for lay people so that we can just read it and understand what's going on. She has a good summary at the end. If it's too dense in the middle, she's like, I'm going to get dense here if you need to skip to the summary, do. And it's great, but you can read the dense stuff and really be smart or you can just skip to the, you know, here's what you need to know thing at the end. It's just so well done. It's such an amazing service. It's a free letter you can just if you just google your local epidemiologist sub stack you'll find that it. it's wonderful we'll put it in the show notes too sure that's fine okay if we remember and I, I we'll will see. I'm thinking a note oh great job yeah I like that and so her uh, thing today so of course epidemiology is not just like the study of viruses it's all kinds of public health stuff and that includes gun violence ah yeah right mm-hmm. and so she sent out a newsletter uh, today firearms what you can do right now okay. And it's just some bullet points that I want to touch on because some of them are like, yes, this is good and smart. And and it feels empowering to hear about it. Great, let's hear it. So there's two categories. There's individual level approaches and then there's community level approaches, right? And so the thoughts that she had for uh, individual level approaches, uh, first of all, just very simply gun safety. So Mm -hmm. like if you're a gun owner, just make sure that you have your gun uh, unloaded and locked. And ideally like... Bullets should be locked in one place, guns should be locked in yet another. So there's redundancy. You know what right. I mean? So 4.6 million kids live in the same house as unlocked and loaded guns. <gasps>
0: And they die all the time because they get into them and shoot themselves and their
1: siblings, either accidentally when they're little or on purpose when they're teenagers, right. and it's all bad. Right? Uh, firearm owners can focus on safe storage and understand the risk factors that lead to crises and the signs that someone they love is in a crisis. Mm, you know what I, I mean? mean? It's really easy to get up to speed on this. There's information widely available on the internet, and it's linked in this newsletter, and we'll link to that in the in the in the show notes.
0: I guess, uh, like. Uh, a step before the one you just mentioned was in terms of personal gun safety is yeah. don't have a gun.
1: Yes. <laughs> I, I know, suppose she so. She probably
0: didn't list that, but like, this house is safe from guns, for instance, because there yeah. is not one here.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, uh, she says it in the very next thing.
0: Oh, does she? Yes.
1: So, uh, you know, firearm owners need to focus on safe storage and understand the risk factors. Mm-hmm. Uh Non-firearm owners, she points out, need heightened awareness of guns in other people's homes. Oh. Right? Like, if you're a parent, there's a one in three chance your kid is going for a play date at a friend's house with firearms. Oh, gosh. Right? Yeah. Like, and she makes a very good point that just as you'd ask about pets, allergies, supervision, you right, know, yeah. before your child visits another home, you should also be asking, is there an unlocked gun in your house? Yeah. You should just ask straight up. Absolutely. And if the parent's not willing to answer, don't send your kid to their house. No kidding. The only right answer is should be no there's not no kidding right yes uh and it's really easy to do so there's that
0: (laughs) shoot i'm gonna ask people before we go to their houses as adults do you have an unlocked gun on your house (laughs) and then they'll be like i show up and
1: they'll be like no and they'll be like can we bring one
0: (laughs) no 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 no. you're messing it up
1: (laughs) (laughs) we don't have one people we don't have one uh item two uh on her list here of things we can do personally is build relationships and mentor young people Okay. And what a great idea, right? As she points out, one of the main predictors of mass shootings and and just violence more generally is isolation. Mm. Uh, It's it's like the main predictor, right? Right. If you're isolated, you're way more statistically likely to do a mass shooting. Mm. Long-term frustrations coupled with lack of support leads to social isolation, which can be devastating. And she points out that we need to create healthy, honest, long-term relationship with kids in the community. And Mm. you can help by volunteering as a mentor at after-school programs like Boys and Girls Club, Mm. uh, which are basically everywhere there's also a, an organization called one trusted adult that does a similar thing kind of mm. pairs you up with an at risk youth mm-hmm. you know big
0: brother big sister kind
1: of stuff yeah exactly yeah. it you know uh you can really help a young person by befriending them, Yeah, you know? Uh, Hear something, say something is the next thing on her list. According to data from the Violence Project, 86% of mass shooters leaked their plans ahead of time. Oh, wow. 86%, meaning that 86% of mass shootings could potentially have been thwarted if someone had quickly called 911. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And so just do that, you know? Uh, If there's if it looks like there might be a crisis or if someone explicitly posts plans like I'm going to shoot up a school in two hours, right. call 911. Right. And if you're concerned about doing it non-anonymously, uh, you can also anonymously re- uh, report stuff like that at sandyhookpromise.org. Oh, and wow. it's, it's linked in her newsletter. But if you just remember Sandy Hook, you know, anonymous reporting system, that's all, yeah, that's all yeah. it is. They just have an online thing for submitting wow. an anonymous tip. Wow. Um, so, you know, there you go. Um, number four is be cognizant of media. Um, she, she mentions here that a study, one study uh, recently compared perpetrators of seven mass shootings uh, to 600 celebrities over the same time period. Mass killers received more coverage than professional athletes and only slightly less coverage than television and film stars.
0: Oh my gosh. Right?
1: Uh, Meaning that like, if you want to get famous, a great way to do it is commit a mass shooting. The way people are currently sharing information, but that's changing and we can help change it.
0: It is changing. I remember uh, after Columbine. Yeah, yeah everybody knew the names of the shooters. Yes, of course. And I would be hard-pressed to tell you the name of the shooter in Uvalde. Yeah, it has been mentioned, but it has
1: not been focused on. Same
0: with Buffalo. That's exactly it. Yeah.
1: So her point here is do not like or even click on mm. news stories that show the perpetrators' face or describe in any detail their plans. Mm-hmm. It's hard to know before click before you click whether it does. So that's hard to do. But like, you don't have to like them. Certainly, don't reshare them. Uh, don't watch or share mass shooting videos. Right. I mean, like, if you have a heart, you probably wouldn't do that. But you know, don't do that. If you if you're one of the, a person who would do that, don't do that. Right. First of all, it's just fucking messed up. But right, right. you know, also it's a bad idea. Um, perpetrators are hoping that that what they do will be widely shared and distributed and that they will live on in infamy forever. And future shooters, she points out, are watching how we react. (gasps) Future shooters are watching what kind of attention and what kind of traction the last shooter got. And they'll maybe base their decision whether to do it or maybe that could tip them against doing it. Right. If they're like, well, I'm not even going to be famous, why would I do it? (laughs) You know? Right. Which is terrible, but maybe it would help. But yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, you know that that point that you're making is is obviously specific to the gun violence issue in her newsletter, mm-hmm. but that's true across the board yeah. for people who have put bad ideas out there. Like, like I see this all the time, especially on Twitter. Yeah, where like somebody who I know who I know has a good heart and they're coming from the right place will like quote tweet a total a hole's a hole tweet. Yeah, to make a point about it. Yeah, but that gives that tweet more traction and more visibility and more visibility if you have to make a comment if you want to make a comment about something like that it's much better to screenshot yeah. and share a screenshot rather than quote tweet because it, that just it just amplifies the popularity of that tweet and yeah. the algorithm builds on that and more people see the bad idea so if you if you need to comment about something screenshot it and make a new post commenting about it it's just that's just better social media like hygiene. Yes,
1: it is. Yeah. Yeah. Great point. Uh, The last point she makes here for individual level responses is uh, clinicians. Physicians have conversations about car seats and vaccinations. They also need to be having conversations about firearms. Wow. Uh, The American Academy of Pediatrics, she says here, recommends that pediatricians start asking about firearms in the home when children are three years old.
0: Wow.
1: Right? And like, you know that all the right wings would be like, that's a violation of my privacy. Well, fuck that, man. You know? (laughs) Seriously, like, if you're proud, if you're super proud about your guns, like, you can't have it both ways.
0: Also, you could probably find a doctor who's willing to entertain your stupid ideas.
1: Yeah, totally true. <laughs>
0: but, 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 clinicians who who do care about this issue and understand it for the public health issue that it is, mm-hmm. and for the for the health issue that it is for the people, the children that they are serving, then yeah, that's a that's a great thing to to add to your practice. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. So now we're moving on a community level approach. Oh, okay. So here's things that communities can do. All right. Uh, number one is healthcare. Uh, healthcare organizations and care teams, she says, need to have a complete picture of a patient's life situation. One way to do this is to integrate trauma-informed care or social determinants of health into medicine. This can include, for example, screening for trauma and violence mm. and connecting people who might need it to free and accessible resources, right? So she's like, we need to integrate behavioral health yes. with primary care. Yes. You can't just like see it, have a kid coming in for their checkup and they're obviously traumatized, but you're just like bonking them on the knee with your little hammer and like yeah. moving on. You know what I mean? Right. Like you also need to bonk them on the heart oh, with your words. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh, my goodness,
1: that was so corny. I, wow. But we got the
0: point. Did yep. well done.
1: Well done. So, yeah. Doctors should be talking to kids, screening for trauma from young ages. You I mean, know?
0: we we need a whole lot more funding for healthcare in general, and so yeah, that's something that we could do, that we can do when we make it when we make, when we finally make the choice to prioritize the health of the people in our country. Mm-hmm. Then we'll do that.
1: Yes, we will. Her second thing that we should be looking at is schools. She says, we can do a lot with schools. Active shooter drills are not evidence-based and some research suggests that the risks actually outweigh benefits. I wish I had more on this. So does she clearly, because she says in a parenthetical directly following, she says, I have a full post coming this week if you want to read more about this topic. I'm fascinated and I'll probably cite it in next week's Let's Get Less Dumb. Sure. But the placeholder for now is that active shooter drills are not evidence-based and some research suggests the risks actually outweigh the benefits. I will be
0: so curious about that too. I have done some, I've heard some people citing some statistics over the last couple weeks since the Uvalde shooting that uh, active shooter drills actually give, would be, uh, perpetrators ideas yeah. about how to go about doing something like this in a school.
1: It's like letting the offense see your defensive plays it, if you're a football yeah, team. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That's why coaches always like cover their Not mouths. Not to
0: mention the shooter drills themselves are traumatizing. Yes, like they are. if you Like if we're talking about like, you know, trauma feeding isolation that feeds, you know, somebody's violent impulse to do something like this. Yeah. Like why it's it's a completely traumatizing event for people, for kids. Yes schools. it is. Like
1: and also if one if, if there is a, a an imbalanced person in that classroom in whatever grade participating in the drill and seeing the fear that it generates in their classmates, that could be a very strong motivator for them.
0: Yeah.
1: Right? Oh, here's a thing that generates fear. I want to generate fear. Fuck these people. They've never Mm. liked me. I've been bullied since I was four, you know? Right, right. Continuing on the school's thread, she says uh, there are uh, other evidence-based solutions though, like things that actually Mm. do work. Uh, There's a thing called P3 Campus. It's a school safety app. It's like for your phone. Mm-hmm. And it allows students, parents, and community members to submit secure and anonymous safety concerns. But that's just the first step. Then schools need to do something, she says. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, schools need to create multidisciplinary crisis response teams rather than leveraging disciplinary measures, right? Um, mm-hmm. There's there's online training for K-12 educators and teachers who are seeking holistic violence prevention training, and there's solutions also for schools. Mm-hmm. Uh, she says that we also need to implement expert-endorsed school security upgrades, like, access control and interior door locks, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, an interior door lock, just being like you have in your house, we can lock from the inside. So, you know. Yeah.
0: I I think that's great, and that's obviously something that we can and should do. Like, that shouldn't be... The the doors locking from the inside at schools is not the main thing that we can do to reduce mass shootings. Also... The, the shooting that happened the week before Uvaldo was in a grocery store. Yeah. We're not locking the doors at a grocery store
1: during open hours. No.
0: Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. uh, like every...
1: You can't harden every target. No. And also that we shouldn't do that. Right. Because living in a militarized state is not the point of what this country's about. No. It's, it's exactly the opposite. It is, yeah. It's actually what they were fleeing when they founded this country. Right. Idiots.
0: <laughs> Are there any other community-level...
1: Yes, there are. Okay. There are, yeah. Uh, there are, uh, she, she suggests that we need a lot more crisis support teams. We need to create crisis teams at universities, workplaces and places of worship, as well as schools, uh, so that people can bring up concerns in a place of trust, mm-hmm. you know? And there's training available to do that. Um, Man, I, I
0: hear all these ideas. And I'm like, great, that's great. We just yep. don't have a government. We don't have leaders in our government right now who are willing to fund any of that stuff. Yeah. And I understand some of those things we can fund at a community level, um, but we also are living in a time where people are stretched so thin already. Like, yeah, people are working multiple jobs just to make ends meet. Yeah, we just like it. It just seems. It seems like, it seems like it's put like these some of these ideas put an extra burden on people who do not have space in their lives for any more burden. Yeah, you know what I mean.
1: Well, unfortunately, the the third category that she brings up here, you uh-huh. know, yeah. is policy level approaches. Oh, okay, let's right? hear it. And so, first one, obviously, firearm policies. Yeah. Uh, there's, as we all know, huge, huge, huge bipartisan support for many common sense gun policies. Background checks, red flag laws, others. Mm-hmm. And she's like, push for these. You know, uh, changes in policy, reduce firearm deaths. We all know this to be true. Mm -hmm. The NRA and the politicians they own are the countervailing force, but there's way more of us and we have the majority. All we need to do is make it clear, including to Republican politicians, Mm -hmm. that we won't reelect them unless they fix this stuff. Right. That's the motivator. Right. Politicians want to be reelected. That's really all they care about. They don't give a shit about you, your family, morality, what's right, what's wrong. They just want to get reelected. And this is true across the aisle, right? Every so often there is somebody on either side of the aisle that actually has principles, but they are rare, rare unicorns. Generally speaking, people just want to keep the cash well, coming, keep you know, the power coming. Yes,
0: I think that you're right about that to a large degree, but I think that it is a it's it's a bigger problem with the folks who very clearly ignore what most Americans want in favor of policies that uh, the that their donors want. Yeah. And and like in the gun debate that is by and large Republicans. Yes. Like every single Republican in the Senate is block has been blocking. They won't even they won't they won't even allow debate to happen on the most recent gun reform legislation that's been going through congress yeah. they've been they've been filibustering it no that they they're blocking it republicans are blocking it that's not to say that there aren't a few democrats in the senate right now who are squishy on gun reform that they and they shouldn't be yeah um but it's big surprise it's the same ones that are like you know beholden to you know, donors that don't have the best interests of Americans in in mind. And, you know, but but that problem is very much weighted almost entirely on the Republican side of the aisle in terms of the gun debate. That's
1: right. That's very true. Uh, Number two is healthcare policies. Uh, And she's like, we need to let doctors talk about firearms in the House right Uh, and and she worded that slightly funny she doesn't mean that we need need to have a doctor over to your house to talk (laughs) about firearms she means doctors. it's like we were talking about before doctors need to be able to talk to their patients about firearms in their patients' homes is that currently something that
0: they're not able to do well like
1: Minnesota Missouri and Montana for example limit doctors' ability to address guns with patients Oh, like by law Uh, there was a long fight in Florida the case was uh, dubbed Docs versus Glocks uh, because like Florida passed a law threatening physicians was suspending their medical licenses if they inquired about and discussed a family's firearms. And the federal court eventually intervened and sided with physicians and overturned the law. Because wow. physicians were like, no, this is crazy. But there's there's still states where like oh, doctors by gosh. law can't talk about this wow. stuff, you know? Wow. Yeah, it's really bad. Uh, safety net policies. We need to strengthen safety nets in the United States, she says, like Medicaid and unemployment. So losing a job or going broke from back surgery is not a crisis that traumatizes you to the point where you feel like you need to <laughs> lash out, right? Right.
0: Everything's connected.
1: Everything's connected, people. (laughs) We need to support research. Uh, Uh, We need to empower researchers to actually research firearm injuries and effective prevention solutions. Uh, And it's important to note here that for the last like 20 or so years, there's this thing, I think it's called the Dickey Amendment, if I'm remembering correctly. I'm Mm. I'm pulling this out of my mind. There's like this amendment that's been just like like tacked on to uh, like funding authorization as it gets reauthorized every year uh-huh. that makes it uh, basically against the law to provide any federal funding for gun research that's what, oh, like right, the yes. CDC used to do firearm research but then all the research was like guns are very dangerous and bad and like they were starting to publicize this and so the NRA got their politicians mm-hmm. to pass a law forbidding the CDC from doing gun research right. that's why our public health agency doesn't research. The single biggest threat to public health. Right. It's, which is insanity if you think about it. It
0: is the number, remember, this is from last week's podcast. Guns are the number one cause of death for children and teens in the United States and have been for the last couple of years. Just wild. It is the number one cause of death, and our public health agencies are being kept from doing research on that
1: by the NRA. By, by the law. NRA. It's just ridiculous. It's insane. So, you know, you can advocate for these policy changes. Yeah. As always, people get in touch with your senators, especially if you live in a red state. Uh, Vote for people who are pro-common-sense laws. Yeah. It sounds simple, but like, really, like, that should be a baseline for it's you. It's
0: called common sense because the sense is common among
1: most of us. Yeah. It's, it's right there in the <laughs> it's name. It's
0: right there in the name. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: Well, thank <sighs> you for sharing all that. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Y-L-E. And hopefully you. we all feel a little bit less dumb and hopefully we all feel a little bit empowered with some things we can do at a personal level yeah. to do, you know, just do our own little bit to help move this in a positive direction. Yeah. Thank yeah. you for that. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. And so have- I have
0: I have one more item yeah, for cool. Let's Get Less Dumb, and this was just this is just fun, uh, but it kind of blew me away. So I saw on Twitter this morning uh, someone had has recently spotted a blue whale off of the coast of yes. Vancouver. Yeah. They had a picture associated with the tweet, which was not the actual sighting. It yeah. was a, a different. It was a different photo from another time, but the photo was just amazing. It was a blue whale, um, Take a shot taken from above, so looking down directly at the water, and a blue whale underneath the water, and on top of the blue whale is a little boat with a couple people in it, and the boat is a speck compared to the blue whale. Like, it's just...
1: You could fit un, a thousand of those boats on the whale. It's just incredible.
0: Yeah. So, so because of this, apropos of the sighting, um, off of Vancouver Island yesterday, uh, this person also tweeted that th- that this is the largest animal. The blue whale is the largest animal to ever grace planet Earth. Yeah. The largest dinosaur weighed around eighty five tons.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Compare that to some male blue whales weigh as much as two hundred tons.
1: That's wild.
0: And this is the part that just kind of like floored me. This next statistic: a blue whale's heart, just the heart. Mm-hmm. Is six feet wide. Whoa! Six feet wide and weighs uh-huh. the heart. Just the heart weighs four hundred pounds.
1: Wow! I'm frankly surprised <laughs> that it weighs that little if it's six feet wide. Because of like, if you imagine like, a, I mean, a human that weighs four hundred pounds would not be six feet wide.
0: Um. Right. But it's not made. It's made of, of not like all the material that goes into your body.
1: True. Anyway.
0: It blew me away. Yeah. I thought it might blow you away too. And that's fun. It's fun knowledge to I have. I love that. Yeah. Big,
1: huge heart.
0: A big, huge heart. Six feet wide heart that weighs 400 pounds.
1: The blue whale's the most loving animal. It's amazing.
0: Is What do you mean? Oh, because well, it has heart. the biggest heart. Yeah. yeah. Very good. <laughs> I love it. Very, very good. So, shall we cruise right along? Uh, I believe that you are in the market for a gold star today. Is that true? <laughs>
1: hmm I am. Tell me. Okay, I'm, just, I'm super proud of myself. I'm going to brag on myself. Okay, let's hear it. So as uh, longtime listeners of this podcast are surely well aware, I am in the middle of a long project to get electricity from the corner of our house out to the deck. Right. Uh, as of last night, there is a fully functioning waterproof outlet with a remote-controlled Switch mm-hmm. that controls the outlet mm-hmm. that we can control f- from a remote control inside of our house. Yes, it's connected to the outside of our house. I drilled a hole in the side of our house a couple of days ago. Uh-huh. I just took a drill uh-huh. and I drilled yeah. an inch and a quarter wide hole through all the layers of the side of our house, into the, like the just right above the foundation into sort of the ceiling of our basement. Not yeah. the ceiling, but the side. You know. Yeah. Um. And I figured out how to make like the I don't know the metal tubing or whatever you call. It. I don't know any of the names <laughs> that, that goes to that that goes around the wire that's coming out through there. You know, yes. uh, and so I, it's a
0: sealed up hole, and it's not like gonna let critters in or water or water. No, it's just it's coming out the way it's supposed to to yeah. an exterior outlet, which you have hooked up to electricity and it actually works. And it
1: all actually works. It was a complicated little thing on the inside, but I figured out how to do the wiring. Yes. Uh, And there's a wire coming out the bottom of this thing that goes into the ground. Right. And comes out on the other side of the fence in the trench that I dug. Which is going to eventually take electricity
0: to the deck, which is the whole point of this. Yes. But you are one, one major step closer to completing this project and it was a successful step.
1: I wired the most complicated box and I tested it and it works. Shannon was sitting inside the house with little remote control, turning up, dimming up and dimming am, down a yes. uh, light that I had plugged into this outlet. I am
0: deeply impressed. <laughs> and I, I feel like everybody listening right now would agree with me that you get all the gold stars.
1: Wow, all of them. That's amazing. Seriously. Thank you.
0: I mean, it's a big deal. Like there, you guys. I'm I'm not talking to Jamie right now. I'm just talking to the listeners. There have been multiple times over the last couple of weeks when Jamie's like, "See my diagram here, and it works." Then it goes, "This goes to this," and this, and I, and I just like, I just like a blank look comes over my face, and it's like I zone out, and I'm like, "Too much information. <laughs> Do not understand. <laughs> Don't want to." And so like, <laughs> like really, it's the the world of electricity is. To me, it's unknowable and it will remain so. And then I, and I will be blissfully unknowing of See, how it all works. But you
1: listen, say this about yourself. No, no, but,
0: no, I don't want to know because, and I don't have to because you have done it. But this so is what you said you. about MIDI
1: like 10 years ago, and now you're like a MIDI expert.
0: Whatever. I'm not going to become an electrician. All I'm trying to say <laughs> is that I'm very proud of you thank because you. it's obviously very compli- complex and complicated, and you have you you set about figuring it out and you did it. And it's amazing.
1: I'm amazed too. Yeah. I'm frankly completely amazed. You get amazed. the gold stars. I'm so grateful for yeah. that. Thank you. You're welcome. And yeah, I'll keep everyone posted on the progress. Uh, <laughs> we have Ben coming over every week right now to record. It'll so be I a can't, slow going. Can't move as fast, but I can do it in chunks. I can wire bits at a time, so it's all good. Yeah. So uh, I think that it's time to cruise right on into the Inspiration Station.
0: Inspiration Station.
1: Excellent. I love the Inspiration Station. It's so inspiring here. It's just nice. It's so good. It's a good yeah. station. It's a good do you sta- have anything or is it just me? I, no, I do. Great. I do.
0: This is um, another little gem from Twitter. Yes. Uh, and the person who tweeted this idea that I want to share with you, her name is Dr. Elizabeth Sawin, I guess is how you say it. Mm. Uh, S-A-W-I-N. I don't know who she is. It, was just, it just appeared in my timeline and I'm like, this is a lovely thought okay. and I want to ponder and share with my friends. Mm-hmm. So... She says this Earth is not your home. It's you, molecularly speaking. Mm. Mainstream discourse acts as though Earth's a place we walk on, not us walking. <laughs> We'll find more solutions and possibly a good dose more alarm and urgency from that perspective. I think. So she she works in climate science. Mm-hmm. I did look that up. Um, but I just thought that was such an interesting. I mean, obviously, speaking from a climate scientist point of view and from from a climate emergency point of view, we we do speak of the Earth as being separate from ourselves yeah. all the time. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was really inspiring uh, to think of of. Us, we are a part, we are earth. Like we're not, we're not separate from it. We arose from earth itself. And just like the trees that grow on earth and the mountains that form on earth and the oceans that swirl around earth mm-hmm. and all of the other animals that populate the planet, we are one of those animals that populate the planet. We're not distinct from any of that no like we, I live I love this that we are the earth walking it's
1: wonderful it's we're really not walking cool. on the earth people who don't understand this to me I I imagine the exact same kind of people who think that we the people only mean straight white people you know what <laughs> right? I mean totally. like defining the idea of we it's, defining like what is us and what is not us mm, what is the other you mm, know I imagine there's a huge overlap mm, between those kinds of people sure yeah mm.
0: but I just thought you know I, I want to I I want to bring this idea this thought with me into my my life a little bit more Mm -hmm. you know and not think of myself i there are moments when it's easier to not think of myself as separate Mm -hmm. the earth especially when we're out in nature walking you know we are nature i am nature (laughs) you know i mean like if you really think about this idea like i am nature you are nature yeah we we are it yeah you know it is easier to get in touch with that when you are Outside among the trees, and there's a river, and you know what I mean. Like, like mm-hmm. it, it feels like the, the artificial boundaries we've put between us and the rest of Earth are are thinner. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Um, but what? What a lovely thought, right? Yes. Yeah. How about you? What's your inspiration station item for us today?
1: I have a short poem. Okay. By a woman named Laura Gilpin. Okay. It's called Two Headed Calf. Okay. Tomorrow, when the farm boys find this freak of nature, they will wrap his body in newspaper and carry him to the museum. But tonight, he is alive and in the north field with his mother. It is a perfect summer evening, the moon rising over the orchard, the wind in the grass, and as he stares into the sky, there are twice as many stars as usual. Oh, oh. Isn't that just so
0: moving? It's touching. Yeah. 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 Huh. Do you want to talk about what that means to you or why, or like what it, what it conjures?
1: Oh, you know, I've always felt like a weirdo, like an outsider, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just, to me, it's a perfect idea of how to celebrate the thing that, the thing about you that other people think makes you weird, you know? Mm-hmm. A very relevant mm-hmm. sentiment in Pride Month, you know? It's mm-hmm. why there is Pride Month. So we can celebrate and like overtly celebrate being queer in all its wonderful, mm-hmm. varied forms and understand that it's not a liability, that it's actually a huge asset.
0: And also what it, what the poem conjures for me is, but tonight that calf is with its mother. Like there's a sense of belonging Yes, that is just natural. Mm-hmm. Like this is the way it is, is all has always been and is always supposed to be. Yeah, you uh, that that sense of belonging, you know. Yeah, not being singled out as a weirdo.
1: Yeah, but belonging isn't that lovely. It
0: is lovely. Thank you. I love that.
1: So again, the uh, author's name is Laura Gilpin, G I L P I N. For anyone who wants to uh, look up more of their work. Awesome. Yeah.
0: Well, I think it would be appropriate for us to end this podcast today with a gratitude crank-up. What you got? Today, I'm uh, expressing my gratitude for my understanding and supportive partner. Aw, that's me. That's you. Gosh. Yes. I, like, it's It's weird. The, I mentioned at the top of the podcast the last couple of days, I've been just in a funk, mm-hmm. and in, in a, and I don't know why... Who knows why? I don't even really need to know why. No. It just, it is what it is.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but I get the sense, I've got I got the sense, especially over the last couple of days, a whole lot of like kind of an almost out-of-body experience where like I'm I'm outside my body observing the fact that I feel weird. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. Like I'm just I'm removed from it. Like mm-hmm. I feel this, but I feel like I can observe that things are just it's a little sideways <laughs> you know yeah. um, and that part of me that can step outside of the feeling and observe the feeling also can see you looking upon me with compassion and mm. understanding and looking for ways to be supportive and i'm really grateful for that
1: Aww, so thank you that's lovely thanks sugar it's yeah. my deep pleasure thank you mm. and i am grateful today For our studio. Oh, yeah. You know? And it's just such a pedestrian thing to say in one sense, but just, we were working on a new song, you know? And I just have so many good tools Mm -hmm. at my disposal, um, all of which stimulate creativity in me. Uh, I have enough tools at this point that I can pick up entirely different sets uh, for different songs or different artists or different projects, you mm-hmm. know, like just use completely different things. I'm using a bunch of stuff on this new song of yours that I haven't used before mm-hmm. on your stuff, mm-hmm. uh, which is great because if this song's going to have its own particular flavor, you know, yeah. and that spirit of experimentation, uh, the ability, just the freedom to do that, to let uh, tools guide me in fun new directions. Mm-hmm. It's such a luxury I mean, I used to make records with nothing. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing. When I first started out, yeah. you know, I was just use, I was using Digital Performer, which is like, it's a wonderful program, but, you know, I was just using its built-in, like, effects, and it only had, like, ten, you know right. what I mean? Like, or five. Like, it barely had anything. It had the, the very basics.
0: Right. And there's a particular magic about making art mm-hmm. with a very limited tool set. Yes, there is. There really is. Yep. That said the fact that you have more colors with which to paint these days is lovely. And you're right. We've got a badass studio.
1: It's badass. (laughs) I'm very grateful for it.
0: Yeah. How cool. You all, thank you so much for listening today. Um, Thanks for spending this time with us. uh, And I hope that you'll come back next week for more because we will have more.
1: Yeah. I will for sure be updating everyone about uh, how... Uh, active shooter drills are bunk science,
0: <laughs> right? That, that feels I'm important. So interested,
1: me too. Um,
0: so uh, this podcast and all of the work that Jamie and I do, the new record we're making, um, the mentorship that Jamie does, um, just all of it. All you, you know who we are, you know what we do. All of it uh, gets to keep going because of the direct support from our Misfit Stars community. These are people who have committed themselves to a small dollar. Uh, monthly financial contribution to keep us going. Thanks, stars. Thank you so much. And if you are a person who values uh, what Jamie and I are up to in the world, um, and as a, if you want to be part of making that continue to happen, or, or, or want to say thank you for doing the stuff that we've done so far, like if you if you value it. We just want to invite you to become one of our Misfit Stars supporting members. You don't have to do anything as a
1: member. I want to actually talk about that for a second. Oh, okay, great. Because we got a message this last week from somebody who's like, I want to support your work on a monthly basis, but I don't want to be in Misfit Stars.
0: I don't want to join. I don't want
1: to join Misfit Stars. And here's the thing it's just the affectionate pet name that we give to the people who support our work. Yeah. Like, Lady Gaga calls all of her fans monsters. Right. And so if you're a fan of Lady Gaga's, you are a monster. Right. You can't be a fan of Lady Gaga's without being one of her monsters. Right, right. In the same way, you can't be a monthly supporter of our work without being a misfit star. Right. It's just what you are if you do that. Right. But you don't have to do anything. Like Shannon's saying, like, There's no mandatory meetings. No. There's no homework. No. You don't have to fill out any forms.
0: You can, if you want to, join our very awesome private social network. Yeah. You can, if you want to, join our uh, every so often Zoom meetups. Yep. You can, uh, you know, avail yourself of the the special things that we give only to that community of folks, but you don't have to. No,
1: don't let us stop you. Yeah, for sure. If you want to support us on a monthly basis, just go to MisfitStars.com. You know what? We realize that some people aren't joiners, and so we made two identical pages on our (laughs) website. One of them is MisfitStars.com slash join. That's for the joiners. One of them is MisfitStars.com slash support. That's for people who just want to support our work without joining. That's right. That's right. But also they're identical. They are. It's the because same thing. and it's the same thing.
0: And the, and the point of it all is that uh, we are a community-driven duo here. We mm-hmm. do what we do in support of, uh, excuse me, with the support of our community mm-hmm. and in service of our community. Yes. So if you'd like to, to be part of that, we would just love to have your support. Uh, it would practically help in a very tangible way. It would. So thank you. Thanks. MisfitStars.com slash support. That's all for today. It is. Uh, y'all, uh, we'll be back next week. Until then, please take good care of yourselves and be good to each other.
1: Yeah, please do. We love y'all. Bye. Bye.